The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Please be comfortable. Uh, as some of you know, Shannon and I took a long car trip out west. And uh, I was like a kid on a scavenger hunt, determined to check off every national park that was even remotely along the way. It was this obsession to document all national park. You've never heard of it either, had you? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, it is not a highly visited national park. It's in Colorado, but uh, hardly on the way to anywhere, except maybe uh, New Mexico, if you're coming from Wyoming. 
which we were. And so this will just be a little short detour to this narrow canyon carved by the Gunnison River, called the Black Canyon because of its narrowness, depth, and these sheer vertical walls. There are places where sunlight never, never shines. It had been a long day of driving. I think we had actually off through Colorado, headed to New Mexico, and we had already uh, gerrymandered another dropping scene in the drive, and we thought about skipping the Black Canyon. At least Shannon did. Thank you. But it, it, say, it seemed a shame to miss an opportunity to get just one more stamp in my national parks. We would go, but we would just stop in quickly and check it off the list, a la uh, Clark Griswold. The pro Some of you got that. Thank you. <laughs> the problem was... We thought we parked in the visitor center parking lot, but our short little run into the visitor center for a stamp turned into a long hike along the precipice of the canyon itself. And it evoked a physical reaction. Shannon and I both had this strange feeling of dizziness, anxiety, and, and even nausea. The place was beautiful, but it was foreboding. It was like the can down into it. And while it was terrifying, we also couldn't, we couldn't walk away. We couldn't just go back to our car. When we finally made it to the visitor center overlook, we interacted excitedly with this other family that was there visiting from Japan, whose mother kept kind of reaching out to grab her children closer to her. Like us, they were similarly and simultaneously filled with both excitement and fear. We were filled with what I'm understanding of awe. Awe. Now, poets and philosophers and theologians have talked about awe for millennia, but scientists have only recently come to the party. In a landmark 2003 study, psychologists Dacher Keltner and Jonathan Haidt suggested that awe experiences, they, they kind of came up with a working definition. And, and for something to be characterized as awe, there should be two phenomena to it. One is a perceived vastness. And the second is a need for accommodation. Perceived vastness and a need for accommodation. Perceived vastness can be either in terms of a, a physical size, like the Grand Canyon or the Black Canyon, or, but it could also be something or something like meeting Mother Francis, say, or Pope, uh, Mother Teresa or Pope Francis. It could be a, a moment, an experience, an encounter with vastness. And then the second thing is that need for accommodation, where the experience of vastness sort of blows our mind. It forces us to rethink our expectations of how things work. We need a new framework to accommodate this awful experience. 
So that's the working definition, but it's the effect of awe on us that is particularly astonishing. The psychologists say that experiences of awe shift our attention away from ourselves. They make us feel like we are part of something bigger. They change even our perception of time. And get this, experiences of awe make us more generous towards others. That's exactly what happened at the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. We, we weren't thinking of ourselves. We realized that we were part of something much bigger, that, that it didn't make us feel small, even though it did in a way, it made us feel like we were just part of something. And we were delighted to share it with those around us. Awe does that. Christmas does that too. Imagine, imagine being at that first Christmas, which is hard for us to do. We've heard these stories, but if you can imagine what it was like to be at that very first Christmas. Luke describes the shepherds being addressed by an angel of the Lord with the glory of the Lord shining all around them. Notice they respond with terror. And then, as if that's not enough, suddenly a multitude of the heavenly hosts appear filling the night with songs of praise. Sounds like an encounter with vastness, doesn't it? One that would require an adjustment to our understanding of reality. Imagine if you were Mary or Joseph. As if watching the birth of your child wouldn't produce enough awe, especially given the desperate and dangerous circumstances of the delivery, then all of a sudden these breathless shepherds show up, talking excitedly about angelic messengers, saying that this child, this very child, your child is the long-awaited Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, vastness and power and divine intervention that requires a reorientation of our worldview and revised expectations of the future. Of course, they all stand around that manger awestruck. This odd collection of witnesses to the power and love and presence of God in our midst. Who could blame the shepherds for then going around and telling anyone that would listen about the awesome things they had seen? No wonder Mary treasures all these words and ponders them in her heart. They had experienced the incarnation, the nativity of the Lord. They were filled with awe. And its effect on them is textbook. It shifts their attention away from their, themselves. It makes them feel and know that they are part of something bigger. It changes their sense of time, and it makes them more generous to one another. Awe does that. Christmas does that. Even all these years later. And the world needs it more than ever. The inspirational awe of the Word of God made flesh continues today. But, like that trip, that side trip to the Black Canyon of the Gunnison, we may, we can, 
we might decide to skip it. It's tempting to continue just speeding down the most expedient highway on our lives' route. Or only maybe just to stop for a quick overview. Scenic, but not involved. A glimpse, but not an experience. Because the love of God, if we're honest, can be a scary thing. So powerful, so, so close, so, so intimate. Awful may seem like a more likely description than awe-filled or awesome. Maybe based on old fears of an angry God or the voice that seems to live in our head of an overly critical parent. Those can take over the planning of our itinerary. We may feel that's, that need for self-preservation, which can override our spiritual longing. Maybe that's why Jesus says that in order to find ourselves, we have to lose ourselves. To experience the awe of the word made flesh, we have to make the drive. We have to take the time to allow the awe to fill us, open us, and change us. And if that seems difficult, maybe we can find comfort in the fact that the shepherds were terrified too. This Christmas, I pray that we will have the courage to trust in the vastness of God's loving presence with us, that we will be available to the awe of the incarnation. Because the word of God continues to be embodied in our midst, in our community, in our world, even in our lives. When we see the power of God's love at work, say in a wife caring for her dying husband with gentleness and devotion and patience, aren't we filled with awe? When a humble Heisman Trophy winner when that a humble Heisman Trophy winner's compassion for his teammates whose families didn't have enough food unleashes over a half million dollars of donations to their local food banks. Aren't we forced to reconsider the abundance in our world and the inherent goodness of people? The more we look for these occasions of the power of God's love embodied and made manifest in our world, the more we see them. Because awe is contagious and awe is habit-forming. Opportunities to experience awe are all around us all the time. And when we do, we are less self-centered. We feel and know that we are part of something much bigger and we are more generous towards others. That sounds like a really good Christmas gift to give to the world. 
So let's look for awe again this morning, starting this morning. Let's bravely and faithfully take the time to see in the Feast of the Incarnation the embodiment of love with all of its staggering, life-saving, and awe-inspiring power. And then, let's continue to be open to experiencing the awe of encountering the Word made flesh all around us every day. Don't be afraid. Remember the good news of great joy for all the people To you is born in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Merry Christmas. 